grandfather has been really one of the most significant spiritual influences in my life. And I'm thankful in God's sovereignty that he is, I guess providence would be a better way of saying it, that we cross paths and that he has been such a wonderful father to me. We'll never fully understand why I lost my father, but God gives breadcrumbs along the journey, revealing like, here are some reasons why this happened. Trust in me and know that what I have planned for you is good, even though you may not fully understand it in this life. It's a pleasure, friend, to have you stop by as we get together with an area pastor. You know, recently we were at the PCA General Assembly that was held downtown Memphis and had a wonderful time meeting a variety of people that were there from really all over the country. I actually met people from around the world that had come for the annual General Assembly that's held, and we met some wonderful men of God and heard about some ministries. And we were trying to squeeze in as many interviews with pastors as we could. And what we discovered, those pastors were quite busy <laughs> in a lot of activity. <laughs> they had voting to do. They had meetings to attend, and they wanted to get reacquainted for some fellowship with those they haven't seen in a while. So what we did is uh, said, listen, let's find those who would be interested in joining us on Pastors Forum and having them in the studio. And that's the case today with Dr. Hunter Townsend Brewer. He's the pastor of Trinity Church in Collierville. And excited to have you, Hunter, on the program. Welcome to Pastors Forum. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I was really enjoying the dialogue between you and our general manager, Todd Payne, as you came into the studio, realizing that you uh, you started going to Samford in 1993, a year after Todd graduated in 92 from the University of Samford in Birmingham. Kind of a little bit of reunion, a little bit of fraternity brotherhood going on. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was good to see a fellow bulldog. <laughs> well, now, originally, you're from Gadsden, Alabama, I believe. That's correct. Now, tell me about growing up in Gadsden. What type of work did your dad do and what was life like? Sure. Gadsden's in the northeast part of the state. It's about an hour from Birmingham. And was a great place to grow up. It's on the Coosa River in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, and it was just a wonderful thing for me. Um, unfortunately, my life is somewhat defined by the fact that my father died when I was one, and um, I was very fortunate. My mother remarried when I was seven years old and just married a wonderful man, Dr. Sam Brewer, and I eventually took his last name, which was most people leave off my middle name, but my middle name is my former last name. Which is Townsend. Townsend, which is why I often include both in my correspondence. I love and, I love that, Hunter. I love I love the the honor that you would give right. to your, your late father's memory. Yes, yes. And both men are special. I did not really know one, but growing up in a small town, I feel like I knew him through stories and his friends and people that uh, were part of our family. And then my second father has been really one of the most significant spiritual influences in my life. And I'm thankful in God's sovereignty that he is, I guess providence would be a better way of saying it, that we cross paths and that he has been such a wonderful father to me. We'll never fully understand why I lost my father, but God gives breadcrumbs along the journey, revealing like, here are some reasons why this happened. Trust in me and know that what I have planned for you is good, even though you may not fully understand it in this life. Yes. So they were married when I was seven and we joined Rainbow Presbyterian Church, which is uh, in Rainbow City, Alabama. The, the community's named after a famous division in, from World War One. It's an unusual name for a town, but uh, grew up in a wonderful, loving church 
My mother was an only child. Both of her parents had died. My second father was an only child, and his parents weren't around. And so I I had no cousins. So the church modeled for me what family should look like in terms of God's people. And it was really wonderful. It was a great experience going back to preach there in a couple of weeks. I'm really excited about that. It wasn't until later on when I became a pastor that I discovered, learned, found out that church can be a really difficult and challenging and bad experience for people. For me, it was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I think you made a good point there. As you talk about life is full of pain, but it also is full of joys too. That's right. And there's the mixture of both. And again, in God's providence, he allows us to experience. And thankfully, ultimately, Christ experienced the the ultimate pain for us, for our pain, our sin price. So we wouldn't have to because we couldn't. There's nothing we could do, you know, to earn or, earn or deserve that, as we well know. But I think you make another good point, too, Hunter, when you talk about the church and how it is a model, really, for and a support for families sure. to, to grow and to thrive. Because there's so much, if you look outside, and even in the church, don't get me wrong, it's not a, it's not a perfect sanctuary for all perfect people, you know, right. it, 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 a lot of broken people. Sure. Because every there's broken people all around, but it can provide, if it's truly centered on the gospel and the preaching of God's word, we can really see transformation. Right. Yeah. And I often say to people as they come to be a part of the church, it's an imperfect family that is being made perfect. And our our hope is not only in Christ today, but an ultimate, more fulfilling hope that will be finally realized in the coming of the kingdom of God in all its fullness. And so the church is, to me, a wonderful and beautiful thing that Christ is perfecting, that Christ loves. It is his bride. And and we hold on to that tenaciously, even though at times it can feel like a roller coaster ride. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Back in the spring of 2019, I understand that several families from the Collierville and Germantown area were encouraged by their church, and many of more different churches, I guess, in Memphis, to step out in faith right. and, and start a new church. Sure. And then in 2020, a, a ministry office was opened and still was where you, I believe your office is now on Main Street in Collierville. Uh-huh. The historic, you know, Main Street That's right. in Collierville. But that was kind of some of the beginning of Trinity Church. Sure, yeah. Our in the PCA, our denomination, the church is divided into what is called you have of course individual churches, but individual churches belong to presbyteries, and the presbyteries make up the denomination. And so our presbytery, which is North Mississippi, West Tennessee, and parts of Arkansas, was desirous of seeing a church started in Carterville. It was, I believe at the time, I believe, the second largest city in Tennessee without a church from our denomination. So several families from Independent Presbyterian Church in East Memphis decided to step out in faith and to help me start this church. I was called as the church planter. The timing was impeccable. It was five months before COVID. And so the first church that I planted down in Jackson, Mississippi, in the the metropolitan area, I started months away from the Great Recession that started in 2007. So my (laughs) brother said, if I ever leave Trinity to go start another church to let him know because he needs to rearrange his portfolio uh, in, in light of that. But that's right. So we kicked things off August of 2019, and we went for a few months before everything was turned upside down. Wow. Hunter, you state that your worship service is God-centered, gospel-oriented, Trinitarian, and biblical. Would you mind unpacking that a little bit as we 
sure. have a conversation here? Sure. So when God's people gather together on the Lord's Day, when he summons them into his presence, our desire is to do what we see Scripture says in terms of worship. So read the Bible, pray the Bible, learn the Bible, hear the Bible, speak the Bible. So very centric to Scripture. That's what that's what guides us. And that is very important to, I would say, our denomination and our theological tradition. And it's well, I, I think biblically important, and that's what we stand on. That's what we believe in yeah. in terms of worship. Now, when you were starting this church here, were you part of the original group of people? You were you are already here. Were you on staff at Independent Press? No, I was not. I was leading a church planning network for our denomination. That, okay. And so I was living in Oxford, Mississippi. So we moved here. Um, we, the call was from the Presbytery and to be a, a, I'm, I am a missional pastor. And so moved here in August and met the core group for the first time. I only knew one family, and that's how it began. That's how it started. Okay. And Hunter, as you mentioned previously, you were the former senior pastor at Madison Heights Church. Now, that's right outside of Jackson, Mississippi. That's correct. Now, did you start that church right after seminary? Because I know you went to Reform Seminary. Was that in Jackson? Well, I went to both. I went to Reform Theological Seminary in Orlando, and then I finished my last semester on the campus in Jackson. I was called to be an assistant pastor at a church in Lakeland, excuse me, it's in Flowood, Mississippi, which is a suburb of Jackson on Lakeland Drive. It's a real, that's like Poplar in Memphis. And served there for several years and then was called by the Presbytery, which different one uh, down there, and to plant Madison Heights in Madison, Mississippi. Now, currently, the Trinity Church in Collierville meets at the Schilling Farms YMCA, which is a wonderful location. Our church, where I attend, was working a few years back to plant a church in Collierville, and we use that same facility mm-hmm. as a as a place to meet, and it's it's really a great location. That's right. They are. We are very thankful for their willingness to allow churches to meet in their facility. They have a great agreement, which I think there's been four new churches that have met in the Y, and the agreement is that any substantial work or additions that you make, you have to leave. So we have inherited the the work of previous churches, and it's made life a little bit easier for us, to be completely <laughs> honest. But we're very grateful that we can meet there and that we can host um, our service there. Uh, they're easy to work with. They're very supportive. We're blessed. And you have service times Sunday morning, of course. That's right, 10 a.m. And I think there's some other Bible studies and fellowship times that are during the week, too. Your website mentions those. That's right. We have a men's group and a women's group that meets during the week. We just kicked off our youth ministry. We brought a, a guy on board to be our first youth director. That's one of the more challenging things to start in a new church is your youth ministry. And we also meet the last Sunday night of the month. We we can't meet every Sunday evening of the month because the Y will not permit it, and they're so gracious to us. But we do meet the last Sunday night of the month. And so we, on one hand, we are a new church. We are a church plant. We are learning. We are growing. We're stepping out in faith. On the other hand, we are trying to do some of the 
um, activities that you would see in some more established churches. It's a, right. it's a, it's a careful balance. What would you, Hunter, like for a first-time visitor to experience when they come to Trinity? That they just see Jesus. That from the beginning to the end, that we are pointing to Him. And I would also say that, that when they leave, um, if you could somehow do an exit interview, that they would say the Word of God was prominent in, in everything that they did. So those would be the two things, that they see Jesus and that they are immersed in the Word. I love that. We're going to take a break. We'll return to the story in just a moment. You know, I really appreciate you, friend, tuning into today's show. You know, the true message of the church never changes. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. The fact that we are dead in our sins, hopeless and helpless, is a generational curse that began back with our parents, Adam and Eve. Now, this isn't a fairy tale. It's a reality. The only lifeline to break this bondage and pay the price is all by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. No amount of effort or works on our part will save us from eternal death. Jesus says in John 17, 3, And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Are you resting in what Christ did on the cross when he said, It is finished? He then conquered death by resurrecting from the tomb where they had buried him. Jesus also says in John 5, 24, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death unto life. Are you striving or trusting? It's a gospel done, not a gospel due. If you would like to discuss more about eternal life and knowing Jesus Christ, contact us here at the radio station at 901-763-4640. Now let's continue the conversation on today's Mid-South Viewpoint. Finishing our conversation with Dr. Hunter Townsend Brewer, who's pastor of Trinity Church in Collierville. We learned a little about your start in life in Gadsden, Alabama, and you also met your wife, I think we talked off microphone about this, in college at Samford. Right. And uh, tell me about that experience when you first met your wife. Sure. Her brother and I were in the same fraternity. I heard rumors that he had a little sister and <laughs> she was on campus. And I think it was just out of curiosity that I wanted to meet her. That's how we met in an intramural football game. They pointed out that that's Chad's sister. And I went up and introduced myself and the rest is history. Tell me about some things that stand out to you about Vicki. Oh, sure. A lot. <laughs> you know, as a pastor, you ask ministers to surround you to hold you accountable and to provide wisdom and insight and support. And I would say that I have some men in my life that do that and they do it well, but none do it better than my wife. Um, She is the one that holds me the most accountable and her insight regarding ministry and particularly people is second to none. And I lean heavily into that. So we have three men right now that are going through elder training to become elders in our church, Lord willing. And I tell them that if the the Lord is calling you to this, he's calling your wife. And the Lord called me to this and he gave me a partner, a spouse, a wife 
who is perfectly fit for not only me, but for gospel ministry. Yeah. Hunter, you're still young in the ministry. You've got, I'm sure, Lord willing, many years ahead to to plant and to live for Christ and to preach His Word in the gospel. What's been one of the most difficult things for you to face so far in the ministry? I would say the most difficult, the most challenging thing is for me, pastorally speaking, from the context of I'm a church planner. So I've, I've planted two churches. Church planning is is what I know. And I've been, the, particularly the first church that I served, I was there 10 years. And so it eventually transitioned from a church plant to an established church. But within the confines of church planning, there's so much pressure and there's so much work to be done. And handling that pressure and not allowing it to affect you negatively in terms of being a father and a husband and a person can be quite challenging. It's just the pressures of planting a church, starting a church is very unique and it can just really turn you upside down sometimes. And I would say for me, that's been the biggest challenge amidst the pressure, keeping your eyes on the cross and staying firm in the faith. Yeah. Let me ask you this. What is the determining timeline where a church that is a church plant crosses the line from being a church plant to becoming an established ministry. You just mentioned that this one church you were at for 10 years. How do you decide that? What, what's what's the de- determining point that you decide that it will no longer be a church plant and that you, Hunter, and, and family are going to move on to a new ministry? Right. That's a great question. Some denominations provide actual parameters that when you reach certain points in terms of attendance and staff and perhaps a more permanent location, financial sustainability, that you're ready to become a uh, an established church. In our denomination, we call it a particularized church. We do not have those metrics. And so you're, you're just sort of feeling your way through the process. And for us, we sort of set some goals. Do we have X number of people in worship? Are we financially sustainable? Do we have a semi-permanent location. Carterville is an expensive area of the, of Memphis. And so I don't know, having our own building that we that we build or we buy land was, is distant dream. Is the temporary location somewhat permanent? So we kind of created an algorithm of things that we were looking for to determine if we it was time to become a particularized church. One key ingredient is Do you have men in your congregation who are elders? And we felt like we had some men in our congregation who fit the the dynamics of eldership as defined in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. And so we held nominations. Three men were nominated. They are in training right now. They will be elected in the future. In our denomination, when they are elected, that then we become an official church in the denomination. We transition from a mission church to a particularized church. We're still a church plant, but we're one step further down the road right. in, in terms of becoming, you know, using church planting vernacular an established church. Now, do you get a sabbatical in between <laughs> the two? Because you talk about all the hard work that you have to go through. I'm sure you need a break between, you know, completing the the established church, you, you know, after being a planting planning the church <laughs> to moving on to a new ministry. Right. They'll give me one day off, probably. No, <laughs> I love it. You know. Something else, Hunter, regarding using a temporary facility for the church to meet, especially when it's prolonged. Sure. How does that affect the, the psyche of your, of your membership, you know? Yeah. It's one of the surprising things that people do not realize who are 
you know, who've been going to church their whole life. It's an established church. They, they sit in the same place every Sunday. You mentioned starting a church and they just have these negative reactions and responses to setting up and taking down a church every week. I went to a little church with my son one time in the northeast part of our county, and you could tell everybody had a, a custom pillow and a right. back support in their pew seat, right, which no they've been sitting in that same place for no telling how many years. That's right. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and the funny thing is, even in a church plant, even though we set up and take down the chairs every week, I mean, we have people that are already sitting in the same place uh, each Lord's Day. But one of the great things about set up and take down, about the temporary nature of the church is that we have to rely on the people to do it. And so a real neat bonding experience takes place when they come in every Saturday at four o'clock and it takes about an hour to set everything up and it's different people every time and they really get to know each other and they have a real keen understanding that this church is not going to happen if I'm not a part of it. Yes. So church planning is wonderful in that you can't just show up and sit on the back row. And doesn't it help you too, Hunter, in your description of the church being the body and not a building? Right. That's right. I mean, they don't they don't understand nor see the church as a building. They see it as what it's meant to be, a, an in-gathering of brothers and sisters in Christ who are opening their arms to people in the community who may be hurting, who need Jesus. And so one of the things that I just really love about church planning is how it it sews everybody together in a beautiful quilt that um, is just absolutely wonderful. You know how a quilt has different squares and they're apart, and then you bring them all together to make one thing. And church planning is just so good at that. Yeah. Is it something that you want to do indefinitely? <laughs> it's a young man's game. <laughs> and um, I don't foresee myself doing a third one, but hopefully I can be an encouragement to younger church planners that are stepping out in faith and doing this for the first time. It's important. Church plants reach people who are not in church in a way that established churches typically don't. Doesn't mean that first prayers wherever can't reach people who are not in church. What I mean to say is church plants are just a little bit better at it. Yeah. And so if you look at the landscape of North America, the church is in reverse. And so we're actually not broadly evangelical church planning statistics. We're, we're not starting enough churches to keep up with, A, the number of churches that are closing, B, the population growth, and C, the number of people who are leaving the church, especially post-COVID. I was going to say, not only post-COVID, but post-Christian culture. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're, we're kind of there now, sure. in, in yeah. a way. I mean, there's still the religiosity in the South. Correct. You know, yeah. Everybody mm-hmm. you know goes to church. Sure. But still, how the church is impacting culture today. Mm-hmm. And what's our method? Well, I would argue is starting new churches uh, because they are streamlined and particularly focused in terms of mission and vision in reaching those who are not in church. That's what I've seen. And so I would say that the answer is that we need to have a healthier and a more robust understanding of church multiplication. You want to kind of share a little more about that when it comes to multiplication? Right. So if you look at all the dynamics of how the church is eroding in North America, by planting or starting a new gospel-centered, Christ-honoring, biblically-driven church, you are stepping out into that community and you are 
you're stepping out in that community with a particular focus of welcoming people who may not be in church into your temporary facility. Whereas an established church, they're not they're often thinking more about how do we care for the people who are here. Yes. Rightly so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't mean that in a disparaging manner whatsoever. They're caring for the people who are already there. I mean, I saw this firsthand in the first church that I planted. We started out and it was just a small core group of people and we had a strong vision for church planting and a a strong mission and we knew what we wanted to do and we knew that we wanted to reach people. We knew that we wanted to be a landing place for people who were not in church, people who had been hurt by the church, uh, a term that people may not be familiar with called de-churched. And that happened. It took place and it was wonderful. But the church grew. And I began to realize over time that instead of being out in the community, networking, meeting people, talking about this new church, evangelism, that I was in deacons meetings and elders meetings, that I was visiting people in the hospital, counseling sessions, staff meetings, individual meetings with the staff, and I could go on and on. And it made me realize that when a church hits a certain size and they hit a certain mark, that they need to start a new church because they are no longer able to do what they once did. Now, you still want to be evangelistic and you still want to be mission-minded. But like in the United States Navy, we have different ships. We have aircraft carriers. We have battleships. We have landing ships for troops. And you have to have that in the church. We need strong, healthy, supportive mother churches, church planting churches. We also need church plants and church planters. Dr. Hunter Townsend Brewer, pastor of Trinity Church in Collierville, has been our guest. Hunter, I really appreciate so much taking time to join us. We're going to have to have you come back on some future programs, if that's okay. Sure, anytime. Well, if friends want to know more about the ministry, what should they do? The best thing to do is go to our website, trinity901.com. We're also on Instagram. We're also on Facebook. And that's a great way to learn more about this new church plant and to interface with us, to interact with us. Sunday mornings, at, is it 10 o'clock? 10 a.m. 10 a.m. That's right. And the church meets again at Schilling Farms YMCA. That's 1185 Schilling Farms Boulevard in Collierville. Right. And the phone number to call if you'd like to, friend, is 901-446-8244. God bless you, Hunter. Thank you so much for what you're allowing Christ to do in and through you for his kingdom, for his glory. Thanks for being on our program. God bless. And I promise if you visit us at worship, we do not sing the YMCA song. <laughs> (laughs) Okay.